gossip or gospel? Which are we sharing? Recently, I had my university students watch a brief film clip from the movie Doubt. In the scene, Father Flynn, a Roman Catholic priest, delivered a sharp, convincing Sunday sermon on gossip. He explained an incident in which a woman went to her priest confessing something that she'd said about someone else. The priest, in turn, commanded her to go home, carry a pillow up to her roof, rip it open, and report back to him. She immediately did so and returned to tell him that the feathers from the pillow were caught by the wind and flew everywhere. The priest then instructed her to go back and collect every one of the feathers. Shocked and dismayed, the woman answered, It can't be done, Father. The wind took them everywhere. To which the priest replied, And that is gossip. Moved by this film clip, my students told their own experience with gossip, all remorseful and promising better behavior. Gossip, by definition, is casual or unrestricted conversations about other people, often done in secret, where information is passed on personal details that cannot be confirmed as true. Biblically, it's defined as information that shouldn't be shared about another, as indicated by Proverbs 11:13, A gossip goes around telling secrets and causing strife, anger, and quarrels, ruining both reputations and relationships. Strangely, psychologists such as David Ludden suggest that there are actually three types of gossip, positive, neutral, and negative. Megan Robbins from the University of California argues that it's something that comes very natural to us, suggesting it's part of community building. In fact, in her 2019 study, she discovered that people who were extroverted or outgoing were greater gossipers and females participated in gossip to a greater degree than males. Yet, she argues that only 15% was negative gossip, 9% positive, and the rest she deemed neutral, with women more likely to be neutral gossipers. Evolutionary psychologist Robin Dunbar compares gossip to the grooming behavior of primates. She argues that this is a means of bonding, suggesting that instead of picking fleas and dirt off one another, we now gossip or chat about others, metaphorically doing the same form of cleaning to another person. She even contends that gossip helps us maintain our social groups. Frank McAndrew, an evolutionary professor from Knox College, argues that we are hardwired to gossip and that if we don't, we can become socially isolated or ostracized. Matthew Feinberg, professor at the University of Toronto, presented the results of a 2012 study which showed that hearing about another person's antisocial behavior caused an increase in heart rate, whereas actively gossiping about that person reduced their heart rate. Feinberg's conclusion, gossiping helps calm the body. <laughs> Interesting information, I thought, as I read all these reports, but how far off the mark from God's word they are. For instance, in Leviticus 19.16, the Lord clearly states, do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. 
In this passage, he directly identifies gossip as threatening or even hostile behavior. King David advises that the person who can worship in his sanctuary or enter his presence is someone who leads a blameless life, speaks the truth from a sincere heart, and does not harm his neighbor with gossip. The Apostle Paul equates gossip to the Romans and the Corinthians with every kind of wickedness, such as greed and hate and envy and murder, deception and malicious behavior, believing that one, gossip, is part and parcel of the other, murder. Paul even warns his spiritual son, Timothy, that younger widows who need to use their time in godless pursuits will travel from house to house, meddling in other people's business and talking about things they shouldn't. A contradiction to Robbins, who claims that women are neutral gossipers. That's an oxymoron if ever there was one. For how by its very definition can gossip ever be neutral, let alone positive? In fact, if you look up memorable quotes on gossip, all of them place gossip squarely in the negative camp. Socrates philosophized that strong minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and weak minds discuss people, offering that gossiping is a sign of weakness, not strength. And George Harrison called gossip the devil's radio, hardly a positive comparison. So if then we don't look at a gossip, a a person who gossips or as gossip itself, as the grooming habits of the contemporary human or a suitable form of social bonding and instead see it as a negative trait that needs to be not just diminished but stamped out. How do we go about it? Don Miguel Ruiz, in his short profound book, The Four Agreements, contends that we should be impeccable with our word. The word impeccable means flawless, faultless, above reproach, or in a law sense, unimpeachable. They are then words that can never come back to bite us or for which we can be found guilty. Psalm 39.1 records King David writing, I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. In fact, his last words were, The Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His words are on my tongue, confirming that he did indeed set a watch upon his speech and allowed the Holy Spirit to control his conversations. Job made a similar proclamation, telling his accusing friends, As long as I live while I have breath from God, my lips will speak no evil and my tongue will speak no lies. Thus, it is a determined declaration to live by the motto, my words, his glory. Perhaps that's why the only way we're going to beat the gossip train, not by listing all the reasons and verses for us not engaging in this destructive behavior, behavior, but all the ways to engage in constructive conversations. Instead of fertilizing our mind with toxicity and judgment, as Hannah Rose, author of Working Through Shame, calls gossip, we should cultivate relationships with people who are also trying to avoid this toxic trap. As Aiken Olokan 
recommend surround yourself with people who talk about visions and ideas, not other people. A furtherance of Socrates' advice. Advice translated in the book of Acts in describing the fledgling church as believers who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and prayer. Yet we know that we will still be faced with gossipers, people who speak negatively about others. Jesus certainly was. Do you recall the number of times he quote-unquote overheard what his disciples were saying about others or what others were saying about him? After all, part of his first major message to the crowd, the Sermon on the Mount, was on judging others. Yet by far the vast majority of the messages that Jesus spoke was on the love of God and not on the evil of mankind. Perhaps that's why the Apostle Paul in his spectacular chapter on love confesses, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal illustrating that loveless speech is like an ugly screech. This may be why the Holy Spirit appeared as tongues of fire, demonstrating that God wanted to speak through us and would purify our speech through the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. For our tongues are to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we are to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Can it really be that simple? Can it really simply be speaking kindness instead of cruelty, speaking the gospel instead of gossip? I think so, for I want to argue that as a believer, we have now been hardwired to speak the truth in love, to gossip about Jesus as Peter and John did, rather than about others. What a wonderful world that would be. Let's look today at how we're speaking. Are we speaking gossip or are we speaking the gospel? Let's bring light to everyone and about everyone, truly showing the light of Jesus. God bless you, everyone. God bless you.